The Big Small Business Show is proudly brought to you by Saika. Choose a difference maker, choose a chartered accountant. The following show is brought to you by MTN Business. Everywhere you go, MTN. Welcome to the Big Small Business Show, the show for all our entrepreneurs who take advantage of uh, all things good and make a plan when things go bad. And speaking about going bad, on the 23rd of February 2022, the Minister of Finance, Ina Kodongwana, delivered the budget speech. Now, we've uh, invited Peter Farber, Senior Executive Taxation at SICA, and Dr. Sharon Smulders, Project Director Tax at SICA, to discuss these announcements by the Minister made relevant to small businesses. Welcome to, to you both, and still have those very long titles, <laughs> which always trip me up. <laughs> All right, let's uh, start with, uh, well, I don't know if today is good news or bad news uh, that we're going to be talking about, but we're going to start talking about one of the things that came up there, which was the bounce back scheme to support SMEs. Which one of you want to talk about that? Sharon can go, ladies right. first. I'll start off, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, there's two schemes, basically. So you get the bounce back scheme and then you get the Youth Challenge Fund. So in total, there's 20 billion rand allocated towards this. Um, on the bounce back scheme, it's also split into two parts. So you get the Loan Guarantee Fund um, and then you get the Equity Backed uh, Loan Guarantee Fund. So the difference between the two is obviously that on the first one uh, with the loan guarantee, the, they've now gone not only to the banks, but to development financial institutions as well. And government will guarantee 20% of the losses for, for any funds that are, are given. Um, the other ones are the equity backed, and we were discussing this. We're not quite sure exactly how that's going to work. Um, but again, that's with the development fund institutions that will be managing those. And which DFIs would they be? not sure <laughs> to be honest um, at this stage there no more details on this were given um, so not too sure and does the, the jobs fund uh, fall into that this category I presume it would uh, um, I think it would um, and on the youth challenge fund that what I understand was already there they've just revitalized it um, so they're helping wanting to help 15,000 SMEs um, what we understand is that the Department of Small Business will be getting the funding and they'll just pass that on then to uh, NYDA yeah, yeah. And also through CIFA and CEDA, so to assist with both the financial and non-financial side. And, and uh, we're coming back to this, is this, you said it's a revitalization. Are they looking at different criteria in choosing the, the, the youth or is it the same? Or? Well, again, they said they learned their lessons. So before we had a loan fund, loan guarantee scheme, I think 200 billion was allocated to that. Only 18 billion was actually taken up. So it was kind of like a dismal failure. So they said they've learned from it. So yes, one of the things is the entry criteria will be reconsidered. What that means, we're not quite sure. Uh, we haven't got details on that yet. Um, but hopefully they will, will look at the entrance criteria. Yeah. But I think importantly there is, and I think that's the concern, if you give money to commercial institutions and tell them to go borrow money at commercial terms, 
and you're trying to help people who commercially aren't viable because of various reasons, yeah. you'll always end up with this mismatch that they won't be able to get the funds. Yeah. And I think that's the problem is you're going to have to depart from commercial terms. And that, if that's not part of the entry criteria, you're going to sit with the same problem because you're trying to save entities that commercially are going uphill. Those are the people, if, if they are not, if they're going to survive, well, they probably would have survived without this money. It's the ones that are either borderline or just on the other side that actually need the help to come back to the profitability side that you actually want the money to. But commercially, I think that's the concern. And I think putting it through a commercial system, whether that's part of the lessons learned, we're all waiting in great anticipation. Okay, so let's uh, move on to the ETI, the Employment Tax Incentive. What, 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 was, what was different there? Well, we've only seen, I think, two things. We've seen some additions to some of the baselines, so uh, on the amounts. And I think there was a proposal for relaxed criteria, but we don't know what those are yet. So we'll probably only see them by the middle of the year, even though we understand these changes will be applicable retrospectively from 1 March this year. So I think that's some of, it's nice that there's more money, but I think mm. once again, because this is tied to the tax system and getting it wrong usually gets you into more trouble than it's, that's probably part of the scheme's incentive is, yes, you need to be tax compliant, but it comes with a lot of tax complexities to it. Um, also, you're only subsidizing. So let, if you're paying 3,500 Rand minimum wage, you're still gaining less than that. So you physically still have to pay in for each employee you get. Yes. And the question is, are SMEs currently in the market in an ability to pay in a difference? And I think that's the question is, yes, you should take it up. Yes, there's compliance requirements. But are you still able to employ more people and actually increase effectively your payroll? So in your experience over the last uh, while that ETI has been in place, um, has it been a success or is the jury still out? Well, from the numbers we have seen, the jury is still out, even though Treasury claimed the numbers have been up. I think we've been in studio already concerns on the abuse of schemes that have caught, I think, quite a, a lot of small entities as well. And I would warn them again to look out for these because these try to maximize and commercialize this gain, which looks very lucrative until it goes wrong. Um, and I think that's, if we start excluding, we only will see those numbers excluded when we look at next year's reporting, because those schemes all came to an end, end of February this year. So we'll then see how good Treasury on the upfront, Treasury said the scheme has in the interim, hence its proposal to make it extended a while. Let's move on to the fuel levies. Uh, Sounds some like good news. Uh, some <laughs> good news. Uh, uh, you normally hear with some rather bad news, but no increases in fuel levies. And I know that the fuel price has gone up, but I don't think that's a, uh, it's a result of our government's uh, doing. Uh, is that good news? Definitely. I mean, as we know, fuel prices, if that goes up, it's, it's got a knock-on effect on absolutely everything. I mean, just your groceries, your everything goes up if, if the fuel goes up. So it definitely is a welcome relief. Um, so, so two of the parts of that levy stayed the same. The, the carbon levy part of the fuel cost, however, did go up, um, as did, well, although some relief was given for, for carbon tax, they've extended it. Um, but yeah, in the all, that definitely is good news. But yeah, unfortunately, the war is going to, to cause a lot of problems for, for commuters going forward. So just in terms of the reasoning they gave for not increasing, I, I, I can, I understand why, but what reasoning was given or was there any 
reason given for not increasing it this I, year? I don't recall them giving a reason for that, to be honest. Other than people asked for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know there was a lot of backlash against, um, we, you know, a lot of our taxes on the fuel yeah. are a lot higher than a lot of our neighboring countries. Yeah. So we are paying a lot of taxes uh, in our fuel price. I remember reading something around 24% yeah. of, of our fuel price is, is actually tax. tax. Yeah. And, and that is a substantial yeah. amount of, of tax. Let's <coughs> let's maybe move on to and spend a bit more time talking about the uh, corporate income tax um, because it's not all is as it seems. It dropped from 28 to 27 percent. Um, that sounds good. Everyone should now want to start a business. Well, hopefully all small businesses are using either the turnover tax or the small business corporations, which are in any event a lot more business friendly. Uh, and l lower rates. So the 1%, technically, you shouldn't be too excited about that because then you're on the lesser of the, the good regimes for small businesses in any way. So hopefully, business are, if you are on that, obviously, the 27%, however, the minister gave with left and took with the right. So yes. let's yes. talk about yeah. what he took. So on that side, he, obviously, coming part and parcel, it was supposed to be fiscally neutral, so in and out, so to speak. And that out part was the limitation of losses or carry forward of losses. So this will impact a lot of businesses who have huge assessed losses that they would have offset against future revenues. And those are now going to be limited. So part of that is if you have a lot of those, you won't be able to utilize all of those in actually minimizing. So even though you are used losses, you'll still be in a cash paying or tax paying position going forward because you'll only be limited to a certain percentage of carrying those losses forward against your future revenue. So just, just let's practicalize that for give an example of uh, a, a, an organization that would use that t uh, in terms of the standard business model that they invest upfront, make losses with a view to future profits. Yes, yeah, so uh, usually capital incentive or long like farming, small yeah. farms, etc. have a lot of expenditure upfront, uh, small mines. Yeah. So anything that is capital intensive upfront usually have losses and then they start generating revenue after year two, three. But also, as we saw in the pandemic, you might have assessed losses because of the fact that you now had two or three years. Yeah. I think the tourism industry and the hospitality industry specifically will now have two or three years of major losses for those that survived. Um, so they will probably want to take forward those and then not be in a tax paying position for the next two or three or four years. Right. But because of this loss limitations, those so types of what, it, what is the limitation? I can't use any of it. I can't use eighty percent. Eighty percent. Eighty percent. Can't use. No, eighty percent is carried forward. So your twenty percent you'll actually be paying tax on. Um, so if you have a loss, eighty percent you, you usually could have wiped out your tax liability. Now you'll still have to pay tax on twenty percent of your taxable income. Um, they, they have given an exception, though. They did say that entities with smaller entities with cash flow uh, problems will be catered for. They haven't given any further details. There was talk about if your turnover is below a million rand, etc., but but no details on that. There were a lot of debates in Parliament about you know there should be an exclusion specifically for small businesses that have cash flow difficulties. So you might be in a true loss, assessed loss for tax purposes and a loss. You just don't have the cash flow to pay the tax that you now need to pay that you previously would not have had to pay because you had an assessed loss. Uh, I, I just want to, we've got a few minutes uh, left and I just want to come back to the bounce back uh, scheme and uh, the other schemes and the comment that you made about them having not worked in, in the past. <coughs> we seem to do that a lot. We have these schemes which are politically exciting to cut the ribbon and, and, and 
release the press release. But in, in practicality, we can't execute on them because they're either structurally um, badly designed, as you p pointed out, if, if you've got commercial terms but you need to lend to people who are not commercially sound, you know, there's some friction in, in the model. I mean, why do we keep st still doing this? Surely uh, people who are constructing the, these schemes are aware of that. They, these are not stupid people. They're aware of it. So where is this, where is it this restriction happening in, in the design? Well, I think it's two things. It's in the design and it's in the communication of the design. So, I mean, if we just take small business corporations, for instance, which we spoke about in the reduced tax rates, they've really are benefit using that regime is really beneficial from a tax perspective. Yet we see the number of small business corporations have reduced dramatically from 2017. It used to be 178,000. Now in 2020, we're sitting with 120,000. And it's quite worrying um, that, you know, it's, it's an incentive that is really, really out there and, and, and good it, from a cash flow perspective for small businesses, yet there's no uptake. So when we did research into this, we found that they weren't aware of it. Mm. Um, so I think awareness is, is a critical aspect of this. So they might come up with great schemes and that's also debatable, but it's the implementation of these schemes and the marketing of these schemes that is really critical. So it's getting to the people on the ground, using the right institutions that the people out there, radio, TV, workshops, and, and a lot of the workshops have been helping that SARS, for instance, has been holding, but you need to get to the people on the ground. And, and what I'm seeing is that that's not happening. So that's one element to it. The other one, of course, is the implementation design. Um, that's, you know, you, you should be learning from your past mistakes. And what we seem to keep doing is uh, just cutting the red tape because that's another critical concern for, for small businesses is, is, you know, we've been talking about this for four or five years. And now we've got another Mr. Sipo um, that's coming on, Corsi, that's going to now focus on this. But I mean, we were involved in the paying taxes presidential uh, commission to with the DTI to try and get us into the top 50 of paying taxes by cutting red tape. We've seen no progress on that. So we keep creating these new um, you know, organs to, to try and cut it, but yet we're not seeing the implementation coming through. Well, you know, we, we've run out of time, but just my comment on that, sitting here with uh, you know, people from Psychic having to sit in here, whom I call the doom and gloom merchants, every time <laughs> somebody sits here, it's about a new, it's yeah. a new uh, piece of legislature that inhibits, the same problem. inhibits you know, it's just more red tape and more red tape yeah. requires more uh, people to, to manage it, uh, which yeah. is just, anyway, it's bizarre. And I'm not saying you shouldn't legislate or you shouldn't try and control, but, you know, small business doesn't have the means to actually do that. And uh, on that note, uh, we're going to have to say goodbye to the pe two people with the longest titles in, in <laughs> history. And uh, to you, we'll be right back straight after this.